in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother f***ers. Rip them touchy suckers like the f***ing players. Luka Doncic signed a five-year Supermax $207 million deal with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I enjoyed the detail from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski that Mark Cuban and other members of the Mavericks front office flew to Slovenia to present the contract offer. Like, I know it's Luka. I know he's that important, but really, they all flew to Slovenia to give this guy the contract offer? They couldn't just, you know, send it over email and Zoom him or something like that? They all had to go to Slovenia to do this? Do you think that they took a spirit flight and had to pay for their checked bags? Like, Mark Cuban put them on the private plane and said, let's go. And if you think that that is the strangest trip that Mark Cuban has taken on a whim on his private plane, I don't think you've been paying attention for the last couple of decades. They, de- they definitely went to Dubai after that and hung out with some uh, Instagram influencers, right? Like that's that's your you just you just circumnavigate the entire globe. Well, hold on. All right, does Harla Bob still run the Mavericks? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so it, it wasn't Mark Cuban that did this on a whim. It was Harla Bob that did it on a whim. No, no, I, I don't think Harla Bob gets to use the private jet. I do think he has access to every calculator in the building, but. Uh, Mark Cuban is still calling the shots on these things. And if you had the offseason that the Mavericks have had and you have dealt with the articles that have been out there about how Harlebob has pissed off Luca, about how Rick Carlisle doesn't get along with anybody uh, now that Harlebob's in charge and now Rick Carlisle left, you would be going above and beyond to try to show Luca, baby, I love you, even beyond the money. Okay, on the Mavericks. Do you think that they will be anywhere close to good enough to win a title next year or in the next few years? I can't believe I'm saying this as a Knicks fan, but I think the Mavericks window will open once they get out of the Chris Dapps Porzingis contract. <laughs> I, I, honestly, like they brought him in to be a number two and it hasn't happened. Um, he and- sure played like it. Uh, he he did play like, like number two, Jared. You got it. Uh, I... Tim Hardaway Jr. is a nice piece, and they just re-signed him for the same contract that the Knicks got ridiculed for signing him for. Uh, I just don't think that there is a number two in that offense right now that is going to be able to help get the job done. So, uh, no, I, I think they're, that the Mavericks absolutely can and probably will win a title with Luka Doncic. I just don't think it's going to be as currently constructed. Uh, I also very much enjoy in the NBA that we have something referred to as the Supermax. Because by definition, the word maximum, there shouldn't be something above that. But the NBA is like, oh, well, we do have a contract that you can get more than the maximum. So what are we going to call it? The Supermax. Um, I can't actually confirm for the listeners out there, but you did push your glasses up to the bridge of your nose as you said that, right? <laughs> I did. Of course. What else? I do that all the time anyways. Anytime yeah. I make a good point, that's what happens. Yes, as soon as you make the ultimate nerd point, you push your glasses back and everybody just leans back in their cars and goes, <laughs> yep, exactly what we thought. I don't care about your next question. All right, Adam, I'm counting on you to give me like and explain it like I'm five here. 
We have a super group in New York. Um, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, Bally's, the Seneca Nation, the New York Yankees, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Sabres, NYCFC, and the Yes Network are all part of one consortium. What what are they doing with sports betting in New York? Okay, so the explain it like your five version is this. You would think that the way that you end up being able to offer sports betting on an app somewhere is that there's an application, you put in your application, you pay your fee, someone checks you out, says, cool, they can be an app in your state, and that's it. But Andrew Cuomo, who, as we know, has a few problems right now, um, came up with a system essentially designed to milk the sports books out of as much money as possible to where these companies might have to give up to 60% of the money they make back to New York just for the privilege of being able to participate overall. So all of these companies came together in a way to try to not lose money on sports betting in New York because there are only going to be two licenses handed out. So there are six total bids, one of them being this, you know, oh, should I say super bid or it, bid by definition doesn't say that it's the max, right? Super so I can group. say super bid. It's like the super league, but the super group for sports betting. Yeah. Okay. So just making sure it, it was okay by your definition. So uh, the giant group has come together here to essentially try to avoid losing money on offering sports betting in New York to have all of these companies come together. Because if they all tried to outbid themselves and say, well, you know what? Not 60% of the money. We'll give you 70% of the money. Then whoever actually got the license wouldn't be able to make any money in the state that should be a place where you make the most money possible on betting on sports. No one is more confident in their teams than a New York sports fan. No one is going to bet stupider money than a New York sports fan watching the Yankees or the Mets. So come on, you should make it easy to get in, not hard. Giants and the Jets, you should make your money back tenfold. Just literally like every week, just like these idiots keep betting on them. Right, but you already have sports betting in New Jersey, Jared, where the where those teams actually play. Okay, I do have a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but if this super group, if they get one of the two bids, it's FanDuel, it's DraftKings, it's BetMGM, are they allowed to have their own separate apps in New York or since they're yes. one group? Okay, so they wouldn't have to like yes. have some combined mega app. No, there, there, would be, there would not be like a fan kings mgm app like no they the, part of the whole weirdness of this is that you would have all of these companies be able to offer their own apps in new york it's it's just it's it's a wild wild setup that as bad as sports betting apps are in nevada like <laughs> this new york setup seriously will make you wistful for las vegas press box transition oh that's new Mm, no, but it's not. It's not new. It's new to you. Oh, it's new to me. It's new to me. Good enough. Uh, UNLV will play UCLA on November 27th. We knew UNLV was going to host UCLA, but now we have the date. And it sets up this run of games for UNLV on their schedule. November 19th, they will play possible top 10 team in Michigan at T-Mobile Arena. November 21st, they will play either Arizona or Wichita State at T-Mobile Arena. And then November 27th, they will play another possible top 10 team in UCLA. So eight days there, three games, two potential top 10 teams in the heart of their non-conference schedule. No problem. Brand new coach, no athletic director, a bunch of new players uh, <laughs> that have never played together before. But we got Bryce Hamilton back, so... 
All right. Oh, Bryce Hamilton's going nuts. He's going to score 30 in all three of those games on 57 On 30 points. shots. <laughs> Next question. The MAC will require all players and coaches to be vaccinated in order to play this season. Uh, there will be a waiver process for uh, players or coaches who have an actual reason they say they don't want to get the vaccine where the Mac can approve or deny that waiver. But basically the Mac is saying, if you're going to play, if you're going to coach, even like officials, like they, it's just a very broad, anybody involved with the game officials, everything there has to be vaccinated to play Mac sports this year. I normally we see things in the, in the COVID era where like, Oh, that's a good precedent. We think other team, other leagues, other teams, other conferences will follow. I don't know that we'll see other conferences actually follow what the Mac is doing here. No, because the Mac doesn't stand to lose any money if its prime athletes don't show up for a TV game. The Mac doesn't have anything to lose here. The Mac doesn't have the same uh, stake in the game that a lot of these other conferences do. That being said, it's still good policy. It's still a good idea for them to keep their student athletes safe when they are not only traveling together, but interacting with others. So good on them. Adam, if you could have picked one college football team in the country to be 100% vaccinated, how long would it take you to guess Ole Miss? Um, yeah, I, I would probably still be guessing right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the that include that includes Kiffin? Yeah, the state of Mississippi has the lowest vaccination rate in the United States, but the Ole Miss football team is 100% vaccinated, including Lane Kiffin, who also lost like 30 pounds this offseason as well. Lane Kiffin has become more than just like a funny meme generator for college football. Lane Kiffin, who we all thought was going to go out there and become the paragon of doing the right thing, right? Like, apparently, <laughs> we need a 30 for 30 on Lane Kiffin getting left at the airport with USC, right? Like, we need to know what that moment was like, how it changed him, what it turned him into to where now he is leading your alma mater in not only vaccination, but Weight Watchers as well. What? an incredible like career not necessarily from a success standpoint but like head coach of the raiders head coach at tennessee head coach at usc and then he's under nick saban and then florida atlantic and old mess like that is it's got to be one of the most bizarre resumes in the history of college football coaching tyler you just described my entire career what an amazing career, just not in terms of success. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. I look at my resume and I'm like, I've done some fun stuff. And I'm like, why have I done it so many places? Like, huh, I, sh I should think about that. I wonder if that's where Lane Kiffin is right now. So we learned yesterday that Adam Candy at one point just went, man, I'm going to lose 60 pounds and did. And that's something that was that we like just glossed over and we didn't ask any follow up questions. You at, wait, you lost 60 pounds. I did. How big were you? I was a big boy. Okay. I weighed uh, 230 pounds back in uh, the fall of 2006. Like, it, and we didn't ask any follow-ups. You did? And I, I, I saw a picture of myself in Hawaii and wondered to myself, wow, why do beached whales look so white? And I'm like, oh, no, that's me. That's me. And decided it was probably time to do something about that. So, yeah.
Is that where the picture, the infamous picture of you holding a donut comes from? That time period. Oh, no, no, no. The donut? No, the donut comes from uh, from the Ocho production, doesn't it? I don't know. Now, now it's an Ari There's question. so much you don't Ari, know about. Ari's me. the one that made the donut. Hold on. I, I do have another follow-up to this 60-pound weight loss. Like, I'm assuming there was a fairly strict diet there. Are you still on this fairly strict diet? No. Uh, what happened was I had also been... Um, I had also been actually it was I should say uh, 2005 and then 2006 I had been laid off from a job and so I had nothing better to do at midnight when I was still embarrassed by the way that I looked but really wanted to go to the gym uh I would go over to uh shout out to the LVAC on Eastern uh I would go over there sure. at probably midnight one in the morning spend two hours in the gym you know doing all the things that you do uh and then I probably had myself on a I don't know 15 1600 calorie a day diet which there was no way that i could possibly maintain uh out into the future but no i ultimately just made lifestyle changes that uh that stuck like i lost the first 30 pounds and was like awesome i'm under 200 pounds and then i kind of like stopped going to the gym as often and i just started eating a little smarter and moving a little more and then all of a sudden there, there went the rest and he will give you advice on what to order from in and out now he's adam candy all right coming up next we're going to jump into soccer because apparently Lionel Messi could end up playing in Las Vegas. But first, we've got a pair of tickets to go see Sebastian Maniscalco, the Nobody Does This Tour, Friday and Saturday, August 20th and 21st. We got two tickets to go see him on Saturday, August 21st at Encore Theater at the Win. We will take caller number four right now at 702-364-1100. That's 702 702- Three six four eleven hundred. Caller number four will get a pair of tickets to go see Sebastian Maniscalco. The one favor, please. The goalkeeper to another team that they played tomorrow is my friend. Please, when begin the game, the goalkeeper don't say puto. Please, he's my friend, and I, I I know that for me you give me this favor. Please don't say puto to the goalkeeper. He's my friend. Thanks. Congratulations to Silas. He won a pair of tickets to go see Sebastian Maniscalco at the win later this month. So I know I'm the soccer fan on the show, but I'm going to need a little bit of help here because Lionel Messi, he's left Barcelona. He's officially signing with PSG today. But apparently into the future, there are there's the potential that he comes and plays in Major League Soccer. And there's a story in The Athletic. Uh, They quoted Dan Jones, who works for Deloitte, who said, Miami and Las Vegas seem like the most obvious options for Messi, and either of them could work. And this story goes into detail about Miami, which is Inter-Miami and David Beckham's team in Miami, but also about Las Vegas and how Las Vegas could end up having Lionel Messi play for them But for those of you that are unaware, there is not a major league soccer team in Las Vegas. And I'm still confused as to how we're speculating that Lionel Messi is going to play for a yet to be created major league soccer team in Las Vegas. He's not. Thank you. Come to the lights. (laughs) He's going to play in the USL. He's playing for the lights. (laughs) In like 15, 20 years. 
Well, that's the same thing that we're talking about with Messi playing MLS, aren't we? I mean, MLS doesn't get any of the good international players until they're basically on one leg. So wouldn't that fit for Messi too? Because we can't be talking about prime Messi coming over here and playing for an MLS team that doesn't exist, right? That like The galaxy brain on getting to just Las Vegas as the place is enough. But the idea of a prime Messi coming over and doing it is is just blowing me out. Well, it doesn't. It's not going to be his prime, but you know, in five years, it's realistic. Lionel Messi's playing in Major League Soccer. Why? Why would he? What do you mean? Why did Why did Zlatan Ibrahimovic come over and play in Major League Soccer? Because it was one of the biggest markets in the world he hadn't played in yet, so he did it, and he was great. I miss Zlatan. Bring him back. That was. Uh... That was a, a moment oh, for amazing. a very specific segment of the audience, oh, and I hope amazing. that's that segment enjoyed it because the rest of us are just kind of sitting there like, yeah, Zlatan, the best, yeah. best butt tattoo I've ever seen, best two years of Major League Soccer. But I listen, I say five years; it could be even less than five. The 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 start of that article that the Athletic wrote about this, the premise was that if Barcelona hadn't screwed up like seven years ago, if Barcelona had created a Major League Soccer team like uh, Manchester City did in NYCFC, that Messi would be playing in Major League Soccer this year. Like that was the premise of the article was that he would be here right now if five years ago, Barcelona or seven years ago, if they had created a Major League Soccer team instead of Manchester City doing it with NYCFC. Tyler, he's 34. I know how old he is. I know he's still unbelievably great. He's still the, one of the top five players in the world. I understand it, but I'm just telling you what the story said. I'm the one that's still confused here. I'm just telling you what the story said. Yes, you're confused, but yet you're arguing everything you know as a certainty, right? You're like, you're like, I know how old he is, and I know why he wants to come play in the MLS. I just don't understand anything else about this story. Right. Got it. Um, like, if Lionel Messi wants to come over here at the age of 39 or 40 and go on an, you know, some sort of exhibition barnstorming tour and make a little extra money, that's cool. I just, I'm not going to get excited about that. I'll ask you this. Could, uh, could... Las Vegas, realistically, is five years the timeline for Las Vegas to get an MLS team. Well, and so, okay, that's the time. The timeline part of that's the, the fun part because Lionel Messi is reportedly signing a two-year deal with PSG with a player option. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world to think Lionel Messi, after three years in Paris, is in Major League Soccer. I don't think that's crazy to think. Is Las Vegas getting an MLS team in the next three years? Uh, it kind of depends on where they're playing. Because So this story had a detail that Carolyn Goodman met with Don Garber, who's the commissioner of Major League Soccer, and Lionel Messi's father, who's apparently just saying, yeah, we're going to pick where the next Major League Soccer team is. And in, that, in those meetings, I don't know why Carolyn Goodman was involved if they were talking about Allegiant Stadium, but they brought up Allegiant Stadium and whether or not Allegiant Stadium could host a Major League Soccer team. If that's the answer, then... Yes, five years from now, there can be a Major League Soccer team in Vegas. Three years from now, there can be a Major League Soccer team in Vegas. I don't know if Allegiant Stadium is actually a good answer for a Major League Soccer team in Vegas, though, because I think it's going to be too big. And if they have to build their own place, then three years is is not happening unless they announce the team's coming to Vegas like tomorrow. And five years is sort of maybe the earliest that timeline could be. You know how there's that meme out there right now that says, tell me you know nothing about this without telling me you know nothing about this. 
that to me is my level of seriousness of Carolyn Goodman was in the meeting. <laughs> like, like, tell me this isn't happening without telling me this isn't happening. And that was by telling me the Carolyn Goodman who wants to take credit for all of the sports <laughs> things that have happened and not happened in Las Vegas was in the meeting. So uh, that's definitely a I'll uh, believe it when I see it. Also, I'm loving the idea of Messi's father as like right. AAU sports right. dad. Could we could we make Carolyn Goodman just the athletic director at UNLV and go full circle? Oh boy. Oh boy. When's her term up? Next year? This year? Timing might not be right. Timing might not work well enough for it. That would not be good for UNLV. But uh what Adam, what percentage of people outside of Vegas are aware that Carolyn Goodman has no jurisdiction over where Allegiant Stadium is? one percent like i i when we had the whole disaster around uh carolyn goodman offering us all up as uh, test subjects for being covid hosts uh i don't know about you but i heard from a ton of people saying hey your mayor went off today and i'm like i live in henderson and even people who live in vegas are like that's not my mayor because i don't live inside the zappos bubble <laughs> did you tell them about deborah march though it's not really the same. Like trying <laughs> trying to explain, hey, my mayor gave away half price land to the Raiders is not quite the, the as sexy as my mayor said that uh, <laughs> we'll just offer ourselves up to try out a little extra COVID. Yeah. We're we're in a good spot. We're in a great spot here. So I am fascinated by Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. I'm even more fascinated by when he eventually does play in Major League Soccer when he's 37, not 39. But I just, I, I don't understand this idea of somebody saying it's Miami or Vegas when there's not a team here and I, I can't see it happening. The, the, okay, the other part of that story that was interesting was they used the backdrop of the Gold Cup that, hey, there was a final of the Gold Cup in Las Vegas. It sold out really quickly. It was a packed stadium and all this as like a, a proving point that soccer works here and it helps Las Vegas' case. I don't know that the Gold Cup final and the success of attendance at that game, I don't know that that helps Major League Soccer's chances of surviving here unless Major League Soccer's able to get the Mexican soccer fan in Las Vegas to come to their games. Because it's not like that was full of American soccer fans. That was Mexican soccer fans. And I don't know that Major League Soccer's drawing that fan base to watch their games play. Well, and it's not to say uh, people of Mexican-American descent. It is to say fans of the Mexican national team. That's a, you know, that's the distinction here of you're talking about a national team and people caring about seeing their national team play as opposed to seeing, you know, a collection of second rate and washed up former first rate players playing in MLS. Like I, I, that's that's not quite the same going to sell out half of that stadium with that kind of team hey a roster of those second rate players just beat mexico in the gold cup final be careful who you're talking mean about over here coming up next charles mcdonald joins the show i was just like last time probably like you know fatigued if anything i was sleeping a lot but i'm glad to be back like 10 days being off i ain't like it at all so i'm just happy to see you guys you know, see my teammates, see the fans. I'm just glad to be back. It's over with. The Ravens talk to you about getting vaccinated. Or are you worried about getting it for a third time? I mean, you know, I, I just got off the COVID list. You know, I, you know, I got to talk to my team doctors and, you know, try to see how they feel about it. You know, um, keep learning as much as I can about it, and we'll go from there. So you might, you might go for it. We'll see. We'll see. Talking to the doctors. 
We'll see. I'm just gonna follow the NFL protocols um, much as I can, the best as I can. Uh, I'm not worried about it. You know, last year I came off COVID. I felt like we did pretty good. Um, and this year I'm trying to do the same thing, if anything. So, you know, just like I said, I'm just gonna follow the protocols. You're locked in the press box. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. You can check out his work at For the Win and follow him on Twitter at For Verts. Uh, Charles, are you surprised that Lamar Jackson, who has now uh, been tested positive for COVID twice, still seems hesitant about getting the vaccine? Uh, am I surprised? No. Uh, I mean, just to, to put it in a, a way that we can all understand, Lamar is a Florida man at his heart and core. So uh, I am not surprised that he is uh, unwilling to get the vaccine. I mean, just you kind of look at uh, some of the company that he, that he keeps in the offseason, like rapper Kodak Black, who has his own uh, extensive troubles. Uh, I, I don't really find it that surprising that the decision that he would make. But, you know, like he said, last year uh, he got sick and missed a couple weeks, and by the time he got back, he was looking like MVP Lamar. So maybe he's just one of those weird people where COVID actually gives him superpower so he doesn't need a vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) If you are Harbaugh, what are you doing? How are you trying to convince Lamar Jackson to actually get the shot so he doesn't have to miss a game during the season? Uh, Well, I mean, my strategy would have been, and this is something that I'm kind of surprised that more teams and more team leaders aren't doing, but like just start calling guys bad teammates until they get the vaccine because that's one thing in football <laughs> that is just like inescapable. When guys start thinking that you don't care about team success or that you're an anchor weight on the team, that's something that can get guys to change uh, change your minds about things. I mean, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill straight up said that if the NFL didn't have the protocols that they have in place now, that he would not get vaccinated. I mean, I think there's a uh, interesting discussion to have about like the larger reasons why NFL players don't want to get vaccinated. And it's just kind of crazy. Like the, this culture has taken hold on the league, but yeah, just, just start calling him a bad teammate and just tell him that he can't be counted on to be there for the game. Uh, show him who the backups are. I think it's like Trace McSorley and someone else. And, you know, just keep guilting him until he gets that thing done because there's really no reason not to get it. And, I feel like any reasons that Lamar probably has about not wanting to get the vaccine are probably not all that valid. Charles, uh, Carson Wentz obviously out at least until the beginning of the season, if not deeper, depending on how things shape up with his foot injury. And news out of Colts camp this morning that Sam Ellinger actually got some first-team reps at the end of practice, uh, so that gives both him and Jacob Eason some reps with the first team. Uh, do you think there's any chance that the Colts are going to roll out there with a sixth-round pick under center uh, at the beginning of the year, or are we making a little too much of this by even mentioning it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, if you're at – well, first of all, let me say this. It's not like Jason Jacob Eason is someone that can really be counted on to beat out like – anyone like there's no situation really where he could be the incumbent starter so you know i do believe that it's a real quarterback battle but you know i just don't understand if you're the colts how you can just sit here and sit on your hands and say well we have a really wide time frame for carson Wentz to return five to twelve weeks which is you know like that that could mean week one or it could mean you know week eight and it's kind of hard to to get a feel on, on when he's going to come back now so if you're a team where you've set 
the structure for a team that wants to be in the playoffs. I know Quentin Nelson's out now with the same injury, but you, know, you still have older guys who receiver like T.Y. Hill and Jonathan Taylor running back is ready. Uh, you got some dudes on defense that are ready for a playoff run. It, it just kind of seems like a waste to just say, hey, Jacob Beeson and Sam Ellinger, let's just go figure it out until uh, Carson Wentz gets back. But I guess the hard part about where the Colts are is what do you do? Uh, because, like I said, like if if Wentz is only out five weeks, like you don't, you might not need to trade for someone like Jimmy Garoppolo or Andy Dalton or another quarterback who is, uh, you know, sitting on the seat for a rookie starter. You, you're just kind of in limbo until you can get more clarity on the Wentz situation. But you know, if you're a Colts fan, <laughs> Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, like goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Eason, yeah, he was a starter at Georgia until Jake Fromm uh, usurped him, and then he went to uh, Washington. And then Sam Ellinger, I guess, you know, he's a fun little college player, but I don't really think that he was seen as like a super duper pro prospect, which is why he went up, ended up in the sixth round. But like, if, if I were a Colts fan, I would just say, look, let's just throw Jacob Eason out there. At the very least, I know he can throw the ball 80 yards. Maybe he can get some with <laughs> T.Y. Hilton and hope that Carson Wentz is healthy when he gets back. Why not like Gardner Minshew, a guy that's like a, a capable NFL quarterback, but if Carson Wentz comes back in weeks two or three, you're not going to feel bad that you traded for Minshew and benched him right away because Wentz is back. Yeah, that's a good idea, too. I mean, uh, just someone cheap. I don't, I don't know if the Jaguars are trying to hold on to Minshew just for their own security in the backup situation. But if you told most teams that they had a chance to get Gardner Minshew uh, as their backup, I think that most teams would count with that just because we've seen that in this league he can be a kid to start here. I think uh, as a rookie, he led all rookie quarterbacks, including Colin Murray, in passive ratings. So we know that this is a guy who belongs in the NFL. And if you have to start for a few games, uh, it won't kill you. But then, you know, you also have the caveat of, making in-division trades, which be kind of hard because one team's always going to try to rip off the other. So uh, I think that they're probably going to be stuck on this for a couple of weeks. And honestly, it's not like Chris Ballard has always been a guy that's going to go out and make huge trades. I know he's made the Buckner and Wentz trade, but for a lot of this, he's been known as a patient guy. So I kind of expect that to, uh, to hold over until we get more clarity on how long Wentz is going to be out. Charles, uh, we're at the point of training camp where we've had a few days of practices, but yet no real football to talk about, which means we get to discuss Michael Thomas vague booking and arguing with the Saints. Uh, what's going to happen here? Uh, Sean Payton's not happy. Michael Thomas is not happy. But at the same time, the, the Saints would be in salary cap hell if they actually traded him. Look, I mean, as a Falcons fan, I think this is wonderful news. Uh, <laughs> finally, finally something that is looking up for us this offseason. It's been a hard few months. But uh, seriously, though, I, I don't really think anything's going to happen. Just the, the financials that you said. Uh, I think I, I saw it yesterday. Like, if he gets traded right now, because obviously you're past the June 1st cutoff when the, the, the dead cap hits get split over two years. It'd be like something like a $9 million dead cap hit this year. But closer to you know twenty five or thirty million next year, which is you know that's not something that you can really eat, uh, especially when you know you're likely going to have one more year of restricted cap space due to the COVID situation from last year before things really open up in twenty twenty three. Just financially speaking, uh, trading Michael Thomas is not something that they can actually do, even if like the relationship has gotten to a point where it's so fractured that he might not want to show up. But you know money talks and at some point they're just gonna have to sit down and say 
look, Mike, I know that you're not happy with us. We're not really happy with you for how you handled this injury. Uh, I would also like to get Michael Thompson's side of the story a little bit because uh, what's come out so far has seemed pretty safe slanted, and I just kind of would like to know, like, why did you go ghost for three months? Like, are you good? Are you okay? Uh, but if you're at this point, you just kind of have to, you know, suck it up for another year and see what happens next year uh, with the trade market. But, you know, right now it's just not really financially feasible for them to do that. And they're already a team that's, uh, you know, struggling with some cap space issues as it is. So if Michael Thomas, nobody really thinks he does get traded here. We saw Aaron Rodgers this offseason where the best he could get was like a verbal agreement next offseason to get traded. What's the list of players in the NFL that can actually say trade me and their team has to trade them? Oof. It's not it's, it's not very many because, you know, now these teams have so much power over uh, these players because in the last CBA, there's really no holdouts. Like when you see Jamal Adams coming to practice and he's not doing anything, he's literally like he's literally just there so he doesn't catch that $50,000 fine. <laughs> you see Xavier Howard coming to uh, practice, even though he's working on a restructure, again, it's a $50,000 fine every day you don't show up. You know, there's like even the rich guys, you don't want to take that hit. So I, I don't really know because the, the teams, they've gotten to a point where they've given themselves so much power, like it's almost hamstrung themselves in a way. Like if you look at, I think that the Sean Watson situation is such a perfect example of this where Deshaun said, start a camp, look, I'm not suspended. I'm not going to take these $50,000 fines every day. I'm going to come to practice. And normally what you would have in the old CBA is teams would, be have, would have the ability to waive the fine. But the owners took that out. So now the, the Texans can't even help themselves by saying, Deshaun, you stay away until we get this trade situation figured out and we'll waive all your fines. That's not allowed anymore. So he has to come to practice every single day, and they have to look like fools because the NFL owners have almost given themselves a little bit too much power over these players. So to answer your question about who has enough leverage to say, I want out and they actually get it done. I'm not sure because this year, the only guy that got it done was Julio Jones. And it's such a weird situation because the Falcons, you know, they're at this point where they're halfway between like rebuilding, but also wanting to compete. And they have some salary cap issues, which kind of led to the perfect situation for him to get out. But most teams aren't operating in like (laughs) such a dire state as that. Uh, and it's just really hard for these veteran players to get what they want with the, the new construction of CBA. Uh, Tom Brady has a new set of NFTs. They're dropping now. Are, are you out here to cop the Tom Brady NFT? Uh, Patrick Mahomes no. sold $3.4 million of them in one night in March. No, I'm not. Uh, I... I <laughs> Look, this, this, I've been trying. To, my girlfriend's explained this to me a million times. Uh, I just don't get the NFT stuff. It just it doesn't compute with my brain. Like, I, I had an NBA Top Shot account because one of my friends was telling me about it, and I spent, like, 50 bucks worth on, on a NFC, NFT cards, and, like, two days later, I completely forgot that it was even a thing that existed. So, you know, personally <laughs> for me, that's not something that I can keep track of. I got enough stuff going on in my daily life, and... No, I'm not going to give Tom Brady my money anyways. He doesn't need that, and I don't want to give it to him. <laughs> Charles, can I tell you about fake horses? No, no, do not do this. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I want to hear about this because I've seen some really crazy oh. stuff. Like I think I saw like Neopet NFTs a few a few weeks ago, which is just completely broke my brain. So uh, oh, 
I own some NFTs go. that are fake horses. They are digital horses, and they race against each other for money. Like, we enter them into a race with 11 other horses, and the first, second, and third get a payout. And you can also breed the horses and sell them and buy them from other people. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, here, here's my societal take on this. Don't you feel like we're getting a little bit too far away from the human interactions of things? Like, oh. wouldn't you rather just go to a nice horse race, get drunk in the sun with your friends, and then you, you've had a, a day where you actually experience stuff? Like, my friend has uh, an NFT art gallery, and he's like, <laughs> telling me this and i'm like yo like i'm scrolling through an art gallery on the computer like i don't i just i don't get it like i i understand that this is a way to make money and a way to i guess diversify your portfolio or whatever but i just don't really get the appeal of just wanting to sit at the computer and watch this stuff or or interact with it we're going to be rich on fake horses that's the appeal of it Oh no, Char Charles! Yeah, steer steer out of the skid, All man. Right. This is All only right. gonna get worse. Get out of here, Charles. He's Charles McDonald's from For the Win and For Vert at, at Four Verts on Twitter. Next week, I'll give you I'll give you a full fifteen minute breakdown. I will have you convinced that you want to buy a fake horse next week. Thanks, Charles. Uh, my, my phone's gonna be broken next week, then. I see you guys. Oh man, I miss talking about fake horses on the radio. On the radio specifically, because there's no way your girlfriend is listening to these stories anymore. Oh, she just sort of rolls her eyes and says, where's yep. the ring? Uh, that is a whole other conversation. Coming up next, Luke Perk Dandy joins the show. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Joining us now from PropSwap is Luke Pergdandy. And Luke, I got to ask about Bryce Harper because in the last like 10 days or so, his odds to win the NL MVP have plummeted in terms of the Phillies and they are now in first place in the NL East. So what's happening with Bryce Harper tickets on PropSwap? Yeah, I, in six years of running this business, I can't remember a any odds. I don't care. <laughs> Championship odds, Heisman Trophy odds. NL MVP odds moving this quickly in like seven days. He was 40 to one last Wednesday to win the MVP. He is now two to one <laughs> in, in like seven days of baseball. Um, I, and you know, and his, uh, his teammate, Max, uh, Zach Wheeler, excuse me, was 30 to one about a month ago to win the NL Cy Young. Zach Wheeler plus 160. Now, I mean, the Phillies are just, it's like, it's unheard of what they're doing in the past 10 days. I get it. They're hot. And they obviously sweeping the division foe New York Mets over the weekend helps tremendously because they were the king and you knocked them off and you, know, you got a division race here. But um, yeah, I mean, Bryce Harper's odds just plummeting. It's, it's now down to him and Tati Jr. of the Padres. Um, so Tati's has been the favorite basically the whole year. He got hurt a little bit. He was out in like, late April. Um, but yeah, Bryce Harper is coming with a vengeance right now. What's happened with Mets and Phillies world series tickets over the last week or so Have those yeah. picked up a lot of action too. Yeah. We're selling a lot of Phillies tickets. Well, Phillies to win NL East. Uh, we got a great ticket up on the site right now. Phillies to win the NL East at plus money. It is plus plus one twenty three. That's a great price. Um, 
Yeah, a ton of action on, on the Phillies, and people are kind of fading the Mets. I mean, they're, they are not going the right direction heading into the home stretch here of the season. So I, I understand the logic. Yeah, I mean, it feels like something might happen more in the NFL than baseball, given that baseball is 162 games. So just bizarre to see that much change so quickly in uh, baseball yeah. betting. Uh, but he is Luke Perkdandy from PropSwap.com. Luke, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. So Steven's still here? I went on vacation and Steven's still rolling and you guys haven't given him anything yet? Nope. I don't know if Steven knows that he's on the air. Steven! Sorry, guys. I'm in a doctor's office. Apologize about that. <laughs> ah, all right. <laughs> All right. Um, the stress uh, is getting to him. I, I've been told you've gotten 12 in a row right, That's but correct. you uh, did not win anything yet because Jared offered you, if you get to 15, you get all three of our prizes, which is an Antonio Brown jersey, a press box T-shirt, and, oh, the Raider Rusher socks. Nice. Well, I'm speaking to you again, so technically I am a winner. Welcome back. Hey, hey. that's the nicest thing anybody said to me. All right, so... You're going for 13. Where are you going today? Listen, I'm a huge Dodger fan, and uh, Dodger fan, and there's three juicy games on the board tonight of the three like worst road teams in Colorado, D-backs, and Miami, and they're all playing against Astros, Giants, and Padres fans, and I hate rooting for those teams. So in honor of you being back, we're going to go to – the uh, European Football League, and we're going to go with. Um, <laughs> hold on, let me see my pick real quick. Give me a second here. We're going to go with Cardiff City to beat uh, Sutton United. Oh, we are go. We are going second division in England is what we're doing here. Okay, I can get on board with picking Cardiff City here. So Cardiff, what time are they playing? I got to look this up real quick. I think around eleven thirty. So eleven a.m. today. Cardiff and Sutton. Okay. Oh no! This is not even the this is not even the league. This is the EFL Cup that nobody cares about. All right, we got I you in for Cardiff to beat Sutton United and get you to thirteen. Uh, Steven, I love the pick. Good luck. Thank you. Have a good day. Oh, what a hero! I love that so much. I love. That. I thought I thought he 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 actually gave us like a switcheroo of because you're back and I'm like oh he's gonna pick the Astros. Cardiff City? No, he can't cheer for the Astros, Giants, or Padres. So, Adam, I've also been told you have been, like, the the arbiter of rules here for Steven over the last week. Well, I've tried to be the arbiter of rules because Steven came in here yesterday and was very clear about the fact that he only wanted the Padres if Joe Musgrove started, which is normal. It's a normal baseball thing to say... Uh, my bet is only action if the listed starting pitcher goes. So, yeah. Uh, beyond that, though, no. I mean, there are no rules. Yes. Like, there are, there are no rules whatsoever. You can be as large a favorite as you want. Uh, you can be a 40-point favorite, and, and you're being bet even, essentially. So, yeah. it's fine. Pick a winner. It's got to be within, you know, before we, we go on the air the next day, but pick a winner. That's that's the rule of the, of, of the Sharp game. He's the first person to even come close to winning the jersey, and he's blown it away. So I feel like this was a success. I, I'm very happy. I'm disappointed I was on vacation, but I'm very happy somebody finally did this and that somehow Jared looped him into having to go for 15 instead of just making him get eight.